0: Welcome to the PsyDef Cybersecurity Podcast. Brought to you by the Robotic Birds Bird Company. Because birds aren't real. <laughs> the garments of drones. <laughs> I'm your host Raymond this is my co-host Michael Fairweather and our guest today is Frank McGovern how you doing Frank good how you doing doing good how you doing Michael I'm doing outstanding you uh y'all have a, a good what two weeks since the last time we all met to record our, our previous episode
1: yeah yeah it's been pretty good
0: yeah so I'm
1: uh, <laughs> yeah a lot of time home with the kids.
0: So for all of our listeners out there, this is the second podcast that we've had to re-record for um, because we had technical issues uh, which we won't have anymore. We've we've moved off of from recording on uh, the hardware that we were recording on that was causing issues uh, to recording on new hardware so the episodes will actually get out quicker um, on a more routine time frame here. So you guys can look forward to that. Thank you, Frank, for coming back
1: and, and doing this again with us. <laughs> yeah, of course. This is, this is fun.
0: So, uh, Frank, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, uh, who you work for, what do you do? What are your side projects?
2: Yeah, I work for a large national contractor. Um, I do information security for them. So helping along drive our sock forward and architecting, implementing solutions, and then still maintaining solutions once they're implemented teaching people new things, uh, trying to just keep the mindset of security on everybody at the company, uh, side things. Uh, I founded a small conference called blue team con.
0: Can you tell us a little bit more about blue team con once it happening? Where is it happening? Why is it happening? There's a lot of conferences out there. What made you want to do blue team con and what is blue team con all about?
2: Yep. Blue team con was started because we were going around the conferences. And, and when I, I was still new, I was looking for more blue team related talks because I was t- attending a lot of hacking conferences and realized uh, there's nothing really for blue teamers out there. What kind of exists is really DOD focused or is vendor driven. So it's just them selling their product. And a lot of talks or conferences did have some blue team stuff, but it was more advanced or it was just part of more of a red team hacking conference. It wasn't really its own thing. So we decided to. Just make our own conference then and forget it we'll just see if we can do it ourselves um, and that's kind of where we're at now so it was supposed to happen in june of 2020 but with everything going on we have had to push it to august of 2021
0: very nice that's really awesome that um you're you're putting together a conference that is blue team con focused blue team focused so many of the conferences are red team focused and a lot of individuals who work in socks and whatnot go to these conferences to try to learn something And I've heard from many blue teamers that they feel kind of out of place when they go to these conferences and they wish that there was more blue team kind of content for them. I know DEFCON's doing better with it uh, because DEFCON has their blue team village and their blue team CTF, Um, but still DEFCON still has that very much that feel and uh, that culture of the red team around it. So uh, kudos to you for creating a blue team centric conference. That's, That's really awesome.
2: Yeah, and we want to focus heavily on smaller things too. a lot of like I was saying, a lot of talks are very advanced at some of these conferences and they get lost on those people that aren't really cybersecurity, but they're the lone I.T. person at like a high school or something. So they are the cybersecurity person. They can't see these advanced talks of how to do this crazy like, you know, design a whole cybersecurity operation center using open source tools like they're not doing that. They just want to know how can I like look at better ways to do group policy. Or, how can I better structure Active Directory? Like very basic things to a lot of us, but is really advanced for them. And that's all they really have time for. And then the conference really uh, speaks to where the GRC folk as well, who feel left out of every conference. Um, so, we want to make the people doing governance, risk compliance, like auditors and stuff, welcome at these types of conferences as well, because they don't go to any of these kinds of conferences because they feel like it's completely out of their wheelhouse. So, we're trying to rope them in his ball well and make them realize they're part of this team.
0: Yeah, I, I completely uh, agree with you. Like an individual who is working at a, a high school's IT department, right? Doesn't really need to understand how to create a buffer over, overflow on arm architecture for some obs- obscure cell phone somewhere, you know, um, yeah. but, but they need to know how to like how to lock down their active directory and how to protect their, their systems a lot better, how to monitor better and whatnot. Yeah, correct. Very cool. And, uh, where is that happening again? And when is it happening?
2: This will be in Chicago in August, 2021.
0: Very cool. Well, Michael and myself have already created plans for coming up there. Um, so we very much (laughs) look forward to, uh, to being at your con. Um, and you know, we would love to also sit down with a few, uh, blue teamers and, you know, um, do some one-on-one podcast with them too that, that would be really cool to record some uh blue team podcasts live at, at your conference yeah i think
2: that'd be a great idea we, we should try and set something up
0: yeah yeah or, or even like uh stream you know a live podcast from there on twitch or something to you know um to help promote it for the following year and whatnot yeah that'd be cool yeah
1: that'd be a great idea we're still gonna take the train
0: yeah yeah we're still gonna take the train <laughs>
1: For our oh, yeah. listeners, we talked extensively about the train ride up there in the episode that didn't make it and I going still, completely out of the way to do so.
0: I still think hey, the train idea is a fantastic <laughs> idea. <laughs> we can create a party train all the way up to Blue Team Con. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Kansas City to, about,
2: right. Kansas City to Chicago, right? Yep. And then we talked about having a conference on a train and how somebody needs to do that. That would be yes.
0: epic. Yes. Choo choo con, choo-choo con. <laughs> look at that! You already you should trademark that. <laughs> Hashtag choo <choo-choo> choo con. <laughs> right. Well, before we get into um, our stories here, I also wanted to, to plug something. Uh, so we're doing something brand new at Sidef. So we're currently running Sidef Labs uh, in conjunction with Cyberary, um, but now we are actually putting out a uh, lessons page on PsyDef, um, and the lessons page will have VMs available to download. These lessons will contain how to identify certain CVEs, um, how to exploit those CVEs, and then how to mitigate them. Uh, and we will continuously um, update and add new uh, CVEs to this lesson page. Uh, so that's a, that's a new thing that we're doing here that I'm, I'm pretty excited about. It's, uh, it's gonna be a pretty fun new thing to add to our repertoire of, of content. All right, so... Uh, so we were talking earlier, you know, when we were discussing uh, Blue Team Con about, uh, you know, certain individuals don't need to understand, um, you know, how to do things on ARM architecture. And uh, one of our stories today actually deals with some ARM architecture, specifically the Snapdragon chip. Uh, Michael, why don't you tell us a little bit about this one since uh, this is the the story that you sent my way for us to, uh, to talk about this week.
1: Absolutely. So this past week, a uh, report came out about uh, how Snapdragon, one of the Qualcomm's uh, chips, has actually got over 400 vulnerabilities associated with it. This was reported by researchers uh, from the security security firm Checkpoint, um, and just basically writing a little bit about some of the the, uh, vulnerabilities that they discovered. Um, basically, what happened is this chip introduces new attack surfaces and weak points to mobile devices. Um, so it's a DSP chip. And a DSP chip is different than what your normal CPU and graphics processor are. Um, this is a processor that does digital signal processing. Um, so it's, it's not locked down typically like your other uh, chips would be from... Uh, manufacturers so yeah it does introduce this new attack surface that kind of hasn't been seen uh before people are typically going for the cpus and graphics processors uh, but so now they're actually going for these digital signal processing um, the good news about all of this is that qualcomm did actually release a fix for all of these flaws uh, the bad news is that none of them have been incorporated into the android os these chips sit on about 40% of the 4 billion Android devices that are out there. So looking at it, over a billion devices, that actually can be affected by these flaws. Uh, so hopefully, one, Google uh, will get the get these fixes added into Android uh, OS soon. So one of the vulnerabilities that comes along with this uh, that can be exploited is when a person is downloading a video or other content that's actually rendered by this chip. Um, They can also be attacked by installing malicious apps that don't require any permissions at all. The way the attackers can then use that is they can monitor locations and listen to nearby audio in real time and actually pull back photos and videos from the device. These exploits also make it possible to render the phone completely unresponsive So basically locking it down and then the infections can be hidden from the operating system, making it difficult to disinfect as well. So as I said earlier, Qualcomm did um, actually release uh, fixes for this, um, for these instances, these 400 uh, distinct bugs that were involved in this. Um, They said they worked diligently to validate the issue and make appropriate mitigations available to OEMs. They don't have any evidence that it's currently being exploited, uh, but they do encourage end users to update their devices as the patches do come out and become available um, and to only install applications from trusted locations, such as the Google Play Store and um, the different stores that actually come on the operating system
0: themselves. Well, Pokemon Go isn't a hot thing anymore, you know, and it's not a beta anymore, so we really don't have to worry about people trying to down- sideload that, that APK anymore. <laughs> Because for a hot no, minute, that was a a uh, big method of, of attacking people, that, that APK. But hey, you know, as long as uh, there's not a hot new app that everybody's trying to get into, uh, you know, so learning right. APKs, it really isn't a, a big issue these days.
1: I think we talked about that Pokemon uh, APK when it came out. We did.
0: I just did yeah. a big old throwback <laughs> to years ago. That was like 2016. God, those are better times.
1: Young and dumb and naive. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, so um, it, it's really wild that this chip is included in 40% of the phones worldwide. There's not a whole lot of guidance out there uh, for individuals to protect themselves against this, except, you know, download apps only from the Google Play. But, you know, you
2: trust anyway.
0: Yeah, Google Play has had a, a rough track record with uh, validating uh, the apps that are on their, their Play Store and uh, making sure that they are safe. Um, and then also, don't uh, don't download any multimedia content from people randomly sending you things via uh, text message or, or whatever. Um, you know, because it could be booby-chopped. You know, if you if you don't trust the individual sending it, um, don't download it. And if you do trust the person that's sending it and then it's booby-trapped, well, you got a whole bigger problem on your hands there <laughs> that we can't help you with.
2: I just love how Qualcomm releases the fix, but Google hasn't yet put it in the phones. And when Google was reached for comment, they said
1: to, to speak with Qualcomm.
0: What? <laughs> it's like that circular logic there. yeah.
1: yeah. Oh, that's not something we do. That's something the chip manufacturer does. Which they did. So now I put did. it in your phone. Well yeah, but go talk to them.
2: Well we did. They released an update.
0: <laughs> yeah, they did. And they told us to talk to you. <laughs> oh, that's right. We have to talk to them about talking to you, about talking to them, about talking to you. I like how
2: they're calling it uh they're calling the vulnerabilities Achilles.
0: It's a good it's a good name. Yeah. They need a website though, and a, and a full logo. They need a, a heel. That's like kind of split open. <laughs> yes. I'm not taking this vulnerability seriously until a website with a logo exists. God, I love <laughs> we, we also talked about this a couple of episodes about Ooh. how we love some of those logos that, that come out. Absolutely. I think we it's talked I think we talked about it with Amanda, actually, the the Heartbleed logo and how good it is. We did, yep. Frank, what are your, your thoughts on this?
1: Uh I mean
2: I feel like this is coming I feel like more and more researchers are looking at chipsets now I felt I feel like software was the main focus for a long time and as software vendors have gotten better now they're. I'm noticing a lot of more firmware problems being looked at and chip problems I mean we saw that with all the Intel stuff and that has basically just tanked their company and then they're so busy with that they can't even compete with AMD anymore and now there's this uh, I think there was stuff in Wi-Fi chips it seems to be the common trend that's kind of happening now.
0: I feel like it's part of the, that triad of fail that I've talked about before, which is a uh, time, money, and overworking your people. Right? You overwork your people, you pay them only a little bit, and you expect a product quickly. Then you're you're gonna have a failure. And uh, you know, with these new chips that they're putting out and embedding in things as quickly as they are, you know, I, I feel like that's that's what we're seeing here.
2: Yep. And most businesses, like, most businesses are getting down the better path of patching software and operating systems, but so many people leave firmware alone. So it's only going to make researchers look at this stuff more because organizations are not patching firmware because they're so scared
0: to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So a uh, quick side note. Yeah. Um, in our last episode that we recorded with Frank, we had talked about the, the Twitter hack and, and we discussed some bad theories. Uh, we came up with some, th- some theories as to what actually happened there just for fun. And one of the theories that Frank tossed out was about a young kid hacking Twitter. Lo and behold, Frank, <laughs> it was a 17 year old. <laughs> I
2: told you this was Next Gen Hacker 101. He has upgraded from doing. What was he doing? I forgot. Uh, Tracer T. Tracer T. Yeah. Yeah. He was doing Tracer T's. Now he has
0: advanced to hacking Twitter. Getting that Bitcoin. What he comes up with. Um, (laughs) So, speaking of hacking things, moving away from our side note here about Tracer T and next Next gen Hacker 101 and all his amazing exploits, uh, the FBI and NSA. Uh, have exposed a new Linux malware called Drovo Rub. Uh, it's currently being used by Russian state hackers, which Ooh. is which is cool because we see a lot of Windows malware, but um, you know we don't get to talk about Linux malware a lot. Uh, so it's kind of exciting it's true. we get to talk about Linux malware.
1: Yeah.
0: So um, this malware was developed and deployed in real-world attacks. By Russian military hackers, the FBI and NSA say that the uh, that the Russian hackers used the malware to plant backdoors inside networks that had been hacked into. Now, the uh, APT that was involved with in, in this was APT twenty eight, aka Fancy Bear. And I love that. Yeah, yeah, Fancy Bear is awesome. I have the Fancy Bear T shirt. I love it. It's such a cool T shirt from CrowdStrike. It's so soft and yeah. cuddly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The FBI and NSA have claimed that it's Fancy Bear, and this malware is a Swiss Army knife for hacking Linux. It has multiple components to it. It can plant an implant. Uh, it's got a um, kernel module rootkit. It's got a file transfer tool, a port forwarding module, and a C2 server. Man, this this sounds like a, a new version of like Metasploit. Right? Like the Russian <laughs> military is just creating their own meta split. Eventually, we're going to see this just on the market, right? And, and <laughs> Kali Linux just built in. Because <laughs> it does a do lot. You want,
1: do you want to launch, launch uh, Drovo Rub? Uh, yes. Yes, I do. Duh. Can we talk about that name? I don't understand. So the um, meaning is
2: firewood to chop or firewood to fall? I don't understand. Yeah. Chop, to chop wood
1: or to chop Chopped firewood? Wood? Yeah.
2: Because it's reversed, right? No, language. I looked this up. So Russia does read left to right.
1: Oh, so it's not like with
2: the French it's will have wood the... Firewood to chop or firewood to fall. Yeah, which I don't interesting. know. Well, don't... you said that... Even it's if interesting... it's chop firewood or firewood chop? What does that even mean?
0: <laughs> I think it's like the working man's tool. Like, yeah, we're the working man hackers. We chop firewood.
1: Okay, there you go. Firewood to chop. But you got to say it in your like thickest Russian accent, because
0: <laughs> um,
2: that's the name they gave it. They're using the name the Russians APT twenty eight
0: themselves use. Rub translates to to fell or to chop, and then uh, Drovo uh, translates to firewood. Um, so yeah, it's it's to fell or to chop firewood, which is a, a very interesting name for a piece of malware, um, especially one that does. So much, like it is a Swiss Army knife. It's a toolkit. So you would think it'd be called something like toolbox or, you know, some some brand of toolboxes or something like that.
2: I would have just called it exploit meta.
0: <laughs> I like it. In addition to its uh, capabilities, it is designed for stealth. Um, it apparently uses advanced rootkit technologies to make. Uh, detection difficult, uh, so says the McAfee exec. Uh, not to be mistaken with John McAfee. He's currently on the run somewhere. Um, he didn't say this. It was a different exec at McAfee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, again, they, they basically made their own version of Metasploit that specifically tar- targets Linux. The United States yep. is a target-rich environment for cyber attacks. And um, they do not currently have the objectives um, for Drover Rub, uh, what they were specifically targeting. Um, some people are suspecting um, industrial ep- espionage or, or election interference. Um, so, one good thing is that the FBI and NSA did release um, a whole bunch of technical details um, about this. And they also uh, released guidance for running volatility and uh, detecting this malware, as well as Snort and Yara rules too for finding this malware, uh, which we will post the links to that uh, in our show notes. So yeah, the their release
2: is very elaborate. There's a lot of information, 45-page document on this. It's pretty pretty in-depth, pretty cool. The crazy yeah. thing to me is that they released the... Uh, you don't see this often, but they release like the actual unit, like down to the squadron basically that did this. You don't usually see that often. Usually it's just a high level thing, or they're usually not just calling them out publicly by unit.
0: Yeah, they'll say like the Russian hackers and just leave it at that. The amount of detail that the NSA and FBI released for this, like the Yara rules and the volatility and everything, that's also something that was pretty wild that they released to the public. Um, as well you don't you don't see that a lot this like highly detailed um, detection methods being released by the NSA and FBI no not
2: at all and this is a good insight to see the and understand if you've never had a clearance before the kind of stuff that's in the back end that they have because this is you know one of many many documents around about everybody that's going on in the world that's doing this kind of stuff so uh, if they can pull this much together you should you make Good assumptions about what else they have um about everybody else
1: yeah yeah this is the unclassified version
2: yeah and it it makes you question why they released it was there any reason that they because it was being actively exploited and they just wanted companies they couldn't keep up anymore Or
0: I, i think that's what it was that they didn't want um u.s organizations uh to fall victim to this because of uh how impactful it can be because of how much this toolkit can do so, and if you want to protect yourself, um, you can either implement those YARA rules and Snort rules in your organizations um, per the the guide that was released, and update any Linux systems to uh, version running kernel 3.7 or or later. So if you update to 3.7 or later, that takes advantage of kernel signing enforcement. That is apparently a security feature that prevents uh, rubs rootkit from taking hold. So 3.7 and later, and implement signatures to detect it at your boundary.
1: Yeah, I think that... When, I mean, talking, going back to why they would release this much, I mean, right there they're talking about how while they're not ex- completely sure, but the fact that... Inter- election interference could be a possibility with it. And we're, what, three months out from our election right now? So trying to make sure they can do everything they can to shut it down. Yeah, you know, it's
2: interesting. I wonder if the intelligence community is going to take this route now to circumvent the politicians who are just ignoring it. They're just going to keep releasing everything they find other um, APTs doing that could be potentially affecting the election. They're just going to start releasing all the news that they could like this.
0: We, makes we, sense. We really need to continue this trend past the election season, though. This concept of the NSA and FBI freely putting out signatures, you know, and ways of mitigating threats to the general public is a is a very good step to uh, information sharing and and better protection across the U.S. as a whole. You know, kudos to them, and and hopefully this continues. Hopefully we get more of these signatures and and methods for detecting and and protecting. Yeah, absolutely.
2: You think it's crazy too that they like, they only found who the the attribution was because they reused the same command and control server. You think like you kind of want to separate things, especially for something this elaborate and big, you'd kind of, I guess maybe they don't care knowing it's a cat and mouse game, right? People already know who's who out there. So like, what's the point of hiding? But you think they would try and keep things a little more separate just to keep a little more hidden or
0: yeah, it doesn't take that long to stand up like a, a server or an instance on a AWS or something, you know?
2: Yes. And make a different IP address and don't yeah. reuse things. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, we had talked about this actually in the last recording, which was the, uh, the Iranians reusing their C2 servers and, and, uh, it was Iran, right. That leaked all that information.
2: Yeah, the training videos.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, So apparently, it's just a trend with apts reusing uh, C two servers or whatnot. Yep. Yeah, that was their like one uh, Dropbox area <laughs> for all their stuff. It was their Google Drive <laughs>
2: with an anonymous access link.
0: Yeah, yep. that they posted on Facebook that somebody found. <laughs> So many callbacks to our last last failed recording. <laughs> we're we're gonna wrap this up here. You know, we, we talked about two really good stories here. This is gonna be a shorter episode because uh, Frank's got some stuff he's got to do. He's got to get out of here in a little bit. So the first story we talked about was a uh, Snapdragon and a chip flaw. Michael, what uh, what should people do for that one?
1: Switch to Apple. <laughs>
0: Accurate. <laughs> no. Because they because they update their uh, their iOS
2: and they have a much stricter store. They just banned Fortnite. That's how strict yeah. Apple is.
0: Google banned it too.
1: Did they really? Yeah. Because uh, who, banned,
0: who banned it first? Apple yes. did. Apple banned it first. Um, but it was because Fortnite was circumventing their their payment system and having people buy V Bucks directly from epic rather yep. than through the uh, plate their play store that they have so they were losing their 30% of of each of those sales
2: it's it's a wide rule that they just don't allow in-app purchases which makes sense because uh, obviously apple wants their cut but it also makes sense to just as a really good deterrent against malicious apps that could just be stealing and siphoning money that you kind of have to funnel everything through the iOS store
0: exactly yeah. Like malicious apps that could take advantage of the Snapdragon flaw. Yep, there you go. Boom, yeah. uh-huh. we tied it all together. That's yes, so. Like I said, switch to Apple. <laughs> download apps only from Play yes. stores that are valid, and verified. Yes, and don't download multimedia from places that you don't trust or people that you don't trust. Uh, cause it and install be- in updates
2: once uh, Qualcomm or. Google decides who is responsible to do that.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: Those are all good things that you should do. <laughs> if you um, have an Android, I'm not
0: telling you to switch. Uh, you should, but I'm not telling you to. We also uh, discussed Blue Team Con with Frank. Where where can they find all their the information that they need about Blue Team Con?
2: Yep, go to blueteamcon.com or we also have a Blue Team Con Twitter. There's also a Slack channel we got information everywhere. But the Twitter will be the like, most official news place of what's happening and what's currently going on. So,
0: Right on. And when is that conference happening again, and where is it happening?
2: It'll be August 2021 in Chicago, Illinois. Right on.
0: What hotel was it happening at or convention center? Uh, or it's called
2: Fairmont Chicago. It's a hotel right on the north side of uh, the Grant Park, the major park in Chicago. So okay. you'll be able to go check out the Bean and – the park and everything after hours and plenty of activities to do around that area after the festivities have kind of ended
0: very nice very very cool um, and then the last thing we talked about was drovo rub drovo rub
2: just call it woodcutter chop.
0: <laughs> wood, wood <job. laughs> to fell wood we talked about to fell wood <laughs> And uh, from that, we, we determine, you know, you, you gotta update your kernel uh, well your Linux system to a version that's running kernel 3.7 or later, uh, as well as um, implementing snort and your rules that are um, in the guide that we will, we will be posting in our show notes to help you detect any of this behavior or attacks uh, at your boundary so you are better protected. All right, does anybody uh, have any Closing remarks or or anything that they'd like to say before we wrap this up? No, No? I'm good over here. I don't think I have anything. I was your host, Raymond. He was my extraordinary, remarkable, astounding, and amazing co-host. Michael Fairweather. And he was our uh, guest this week.
2: Frank McGovern.
0: Stay safe. Keep your network safe. And have a week. Have a week. (laughs)
1: I'm gonna go